welcome to Escape the Rat Race with me, Lisa Staker, the rebellious coach. This podcast is all about empowering you to break free from the straitjacket of the nine to five to pursue a life of freedom, purpose and fulfillment running your own business. Whether you're feeling stuck in your current career or have always dreamed of starting your own business but been too scared to do so, this podcast is here to provide you with the resources and insights you need to take the leap and escape the rat race. So welcome to this week's episode of Escape the Rat Race and I'm very pleased to have with me Caterina Bernardini of The Power of No. And Caterina's here to tell us all about her journey from working in corporate to starting her own business and where she is now. So I'm going to hand over to the expert and Caterina, can you tell us all about your journey? Yes, I'll be very happy to do that, Lisa. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast today. I started um, in corporate world when I was 19 and I literally fell into it. It wasn't something that I planned to do. My my father walked out on us and my mother couldn't afford to maintain my sisters and I. So I decided to go to work to basically support her. And I fell into banking and it wasn't something that I would have chosen, but that's where I ended up. And um, I stayed in banking for about 11 to 12 years. Initially, I really liked it because it was very sort of like lots of young people like me. But the more I got promoted, the more unhappy I became because there was more responsibility. I had to learn things that I didn't enjoy learning and I felt all this pressure. And it got to the point where I was uh, promoted. I'd become assistant manager when I was 28. I did pretty well despite the fact that I didn't enjoy what I was doing. And I was put in this position of authority where I basically had to motivate other people when I wasn't motivated myself and learn things that I really didn't want to learn. And it started to affect me, my mental health. I used to dread going to work every day. I used to get butterflies in my stomach for the weekend. And I, I got into a really not, not, not in a very good space. But I used to hide it very well. You know, in the corporate world, it's very sterile and you just have to just basically get on with it. Now, back in the 80s, a job was for life when you was in banking. And people just tended to stay in that job and not look elsewhere. So you're sort of quite closed. You know, your mind was quite closed. And I then that's when the, they started asking people to volunteer for redundancies because they, you know, things started to change. And that's where I took my opportunity. I decided, yes, this is the way I'm going to get out. And they gave us a really good package. There was six months garden leave where basically you got paid for six months. You had two years because we used to get our mortgages from the bank at very low rate. The rates back then were 18% and we got it at 5%. I had that two years as well and they also um, helped us find other employment they um, can't remember the company that we we could do this through but they basically helped us and I thought well that's too good to sort of like just you know not not take this opportunity up so I volunteered they only wanted 300 people and it was with um, I might say allowed to say the name yeah. of the bank but yeah it was with NatWest and, you know, it was, as you know, is massive, but they were only looking for 300 people at the time. And I put my name forward and it was rejected. 
because I'd had good reports because I did put everything into it, despite the fact that I didn't like it. And when you make your mind up to do something and then you're, you are rejected, it's just, so, you just feel destroyed inside. And I thought, I can't believe this. I've made a really big decision to move on. And then I'm sort of, you feel like a prisoner, really. And I spoke to my manager and I said to him, look, can, is there a way that you can help me get out? Because I felt I was in prison. I thought, can you help me, please? And he said, the only thing I can do is to give you a really bad report. And I thought I sort of reflected on that. And I thought, well, I've had really good reports up to now. If I have one bad report, that may not be enough to get me out. And so we compromised. And I said, look, just give me an ordinary report. And so pushing. And that's what he did. And then they had a second round of redundancies and I managed to get out. And the mentality is really strange because all my friends said, what are you going to do? Because it was such a... Um, we're living in a box, really, and people couldn't imagine life outside of banking because, as I said, it was a life back then. It was a job for life, and I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just leaving, and I did have a house, and I rented that out, and I went to live in Italy. I did have accommodation, but I didn't have a job, and I found a job teaching English as a foreign language. I'd never studied grammar at school, and got a clue about grammar because in the 70s when I was at school I don't know why but they just didn't so you know what it's like in life you find a way around everything so I used to have my students I'd have maximum five I'd have them facing me I'd have the book the textbook facing them and I'd read upside down so basically I was learning and then I'd just relay what I'd learned to them and they didn't know and I got around it that way so I was teaching them the grammar and I just found that a very sort of like in a way to, to to look as though I was professional when I really I wasn't. So that lasted six months and I really enjoyed it. But that job came to an end. And this was in Rome. I went to live in Rome for a year because I'm half Italian. And then I found another job called calling. I you know, when you live in you work in a safe environment like banking, you don't you don't deal with rejection very well. So I went and, and did that and I turned up um, and it, this was selling perfumes in a briefcase and in villages outside of Rome and there weren't no clients. You just went out with your briefcase on the streets and you found your clients. So I had to approach people in the street, go into the shops, butchers, um, um, yeah, grocery grocery stores, just basically approach everybody to try and sell these perfumes. And again, I found myself in that position. I had butterflies in my stomach. I used to stand at the um, entrance to the shops and hold my breath and think, oh my God, what, you know, what am I going to say? But I had my spiel. And the funny thing is that I blended in with the girls because I turned up in my suit, first of all, and they all had their jeans and their their, their leggings and I thought, oh, I'm way overdressed here. And I blended in with them. And so I did the same thing. And they also, the, the other thing um, that they they went in and they started shouting, sort of, oh, you buy my perfume, will you do this? Will you, you know, sort of trying to get their customers by making a lot of noises. Um, but it was the day that I sold just one perfume that I learned my biggest lesson. And I realized I don't blend in. I'm going out there with my suit because I need to stand out. 
everybody else went in there with their jeans and their, their leggings and their T-shirts. I thought, I'm not going to get any attention. And I used to stand there with my briefcase and they used to think I was a representative and they used to treat me with respect. And so when I opened up my briefcase with the perfume, sometimes they were a little bit shocked because they weren't expecting that. And then I did my spiel and I developed quite a good customer base for myself because we used to visit these villages once a month. So we'd go back to the same village and people started to recognize me. And I did, you know, I started to do really well. I had a friend who was a teacher and I was earning more um, than she was just doing four hours work a day because it was all commission based. So if I didn't earn, I didn't eat. I didn't pay the rent. I didn't, you know, didn't pay my bills. And that sort of spurred me on. And I learned an awful lot from doing that. And in the end, um, I was keeping statistics. So, you know, I was, it was one in 10 would buy from me. That become one in three. I would go in the bars at the end of the day when we had our boss used to come and pick a minibus. And I would say, I haven't done enough sales. Just let me go and, um, in the bar, just go and pick the other girls up and I'll go in the bars. And I used to go in the bar, ask the, the, the barman, I said, look, would you mind if I sold? I'd always ask permission and be respectful. And he'd say, yes, of course. And he, I said, can you help me? So he used to speak to everybody. Look, this lady wants to sell some perfumes. Who's interested? And I'd sell loads just in the space of an hour. And sometimes I wouldn't do so well out on the street, not because I couldn't do it, but some we'd go in through dodgy areas where people didn't have a lot of money. And doesn't matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't sell in those areas. I remember selling three perfumes in the space of three hours and then 19 in that last hour because I was in a bar. Uh, much to my boss's surprise when I got on the minibus, he said, you know, I'd say I'd just sold three when he first met me. And when I got back on the minibus, he said, how many did you sell? Oh, 21. And he'd look at me like this. How did you do that? You know, it'd shock him. But it's always finding a way around everything. And this gave me a lot of um, a lot of confidence. And, you know, you learn that rejection is just in your mind, that people are not rejecting you. They're just rejecting what they don't want. And everybody become a walking statistic to me. That's how, how I saw them. I thought, no, okay, what can I learn from this? How can I... Because when I sold that one perfume, I went back home and for three hours I worked out what I should be saying to them saying I'm allergic because that was an excuse. I'm allergic to perfumes or I haven't got the money. And I'd find an answer to everything. And people either say yes or they say no, but most of them are in between. And that's where you have to become skillful in trying to convert them. So... After I finished there, I learned so much from that job. I came back to England and I decided I didn't want to go back into the corporate world. Although I was offered a job, I was offered a job in Milan, actually, with Citibank for six months. I rejected that. And I went on a forestry course, something so completely different. And I studied forestry for about four years and used my newfound cold calling skills to cold call companies. And again, I used them as statistics. I thought I need to, I had to call 13 in order to get a meeting. And I went into pubs, hotels and clubs. And um, back then, um, it was very fashionable to have dried flowers. And so I promoted these dried flowers. And then I went into a um, um, golf club. 
And I said, would you like some flowers? And he said, no, but you do plant displays. And I said, yes, trembling inside, haven't got a clue about plants, never done them, didn't know what they were called. Went home to my husband and said, guess what I've just done? <laughs> we're going to do. And he said, let's just go for it. So we did. We, for the next five weeks, we found suppliers. We looked up the names of these plants, how to look after them. And we put a quote in. It was accepted. And sometimes you're thinking, why was it accepted? You know, because so scared. And we went in and we delivered these plants and had weeks of sleepless nights thinking, my goodness, they're going to die. But they didn't. And from there, we got the magistrates caught in Bromley. Um, they, they, um, we wrote to them on a two-liner, do you want some plant displays? And we went to Italy on holiday, not thinking any more of it. When we came back, there was this letter on, on the mat saying, yes, please, you need to do it in five weeks. And these were artificial plants. Again, we knew nothing mm -hmm. about artificial plants. And they said the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Exchequer is coming to open the building in five weeks' time and we need everything in place. I thought, no pressure. <laughs> yeah. So... We lived in a two up, two down. We didn't, they wanted 55 containers of plants. We had nowhere to put them. We couldn't have them delivered, obviously, but we, we I don't know where we were to put the furniture. So again, we found a way around that. And we had, we spoke to the um, manager in the magistrate's court and said, look, and pretended that everything was too tight with the timeline. I said, we need everything delivered to the magistrate's court. We need a room in the magistrate's court to, you know, plant everything up. And they agreed to it. And we also said, we need a deposit uh, as well, because we need to pay for these things in advance. And, you know, in business, you always have to find a way around things. And there's always an answer if you sort of like deep, you know, delve deep enough. And everything was delivered there. We did everything and we had two days to spare and we got we asked him if we could have a, a reference and he gave us a, a, a marvelous reference that we used to, in order to promote other work so that opened up some doors for us and from there i went to cold call for a whole year three hours every day to try and we because i was in the corporate world in banking we actually targeted banks insurance companies we knew that they would pay well and um, so we got our client base that way. And the first year we got one contract for £50 and one for £250. And it's so easy to give up because you think I'm not getting anywhere. But if you don't develop yourself, your business doesn't develop. Mm. And I learned a lot through the cold calling in Italy that that's what you've got to do in order to make your business work. So... Again, I kept statistics and the things with plants, the um, companies are locked into contracts normally for one or two years and some of them were not ready. So I kept diary notes like, okay, you can't do it now. When are you ready? Can we put a quote in when the time is right? And the following year, we got so many contracts and that's, you can so easily give up when you're not getting things, but because 
I didn't give up mm. the following year. I followed up on those diary notes and got so many contracts. And we were working in shops at weekends in order to be able to sustain ourselves with, you know, financially. We gave up those jobs and we threw ourselves into our plants business full time. So plants was another thing that I didn't plan, like banking. It wasn't really my calling. Um, but what it did give us is the um the freedom. Um, because after a few years I become a mum and it enabled me to work around school hours and be a full-time mum to my son, which was really important to me. So we didn't miss any sports days. We um, were able to have three holidays a year. He went into private education and we just worked. We didn't sort of like want to grow it massively, but we grew it to a level where we spent time with our son and were able to be full-time parents, both of us, both my husband and I. And that was really sort of like a gift we felt, you know, that, um, we, we've got no regrets. We've been there for him and not missed anything um, that he did with school. So, And we've given him a good life as well. He's travelled a lot with school because of the, you know, in private education, they give you those opportunities. He's had um, a great upbringing. And as a result of that business, it sort of like had that ripple effect and um, was able, you know, he, he, um, he, got, he got a lot out of it as well. So moving on from there, um, your skills are always transferable and we um, carried on with this business and we fell, in, fell into property. I keep saying we're falling into property because we didn't plan these things. We fell into property, serviced accommodation, um, Airbnb and booking.com. And again, we hadn't got what we were doing, but we just got on with it. And by doing, you learn. And we went into central London and we got 10 properties that we were managing and uh, we had come from abroad, Canada, Australia, America. They were um, our main clients. And again, I did some cold calling. I went to estate agents and asked them if they were interested in having us on their books to, for Airbnb and got some clients that way. So again, transferring those cold calling skills that I started to find really easy to use. Um, it was just a different client, uh, you know, but the skill of doing that was always sort of with me. And we linked up with a couple more people so that then basically we were dividing um, things. And, you know, if we went on holiday, we could, we didn't have to worry because they covered us and we covered them when they went away as well. And so that's basically my entrepreneurial journey. And now I've moved on to um, Power of No, because a lot of us tend to, when we're at school, we're made to, to, to be good at things that we don't enjoy. You know, like I wasn't very good at physics or biology or chemistry. They were just not what I enjoy doing, but pressure's put on you to be good at those. Wade, you've got to get more marks. You've got to do better at your homework. And I think you take that into your adult life where you sort of, not everybody, but I know a lot of people get lost and um, you don't know, you just get conditioned and you end up in things that you don't always enjoy. And I think sometimes it can take a lifetime to find out what you do. And I always used to feel that if I enjoy something, I'm skiving, that it has to be hard work. But it's not. And I found this out through the power of no by learning to say no to the things that you don't enjoy and saying yes to what you do enjoy. 
And now I help people who are in jobs that they don't enjoy because we get conditioned as well to learn things. And we think, oh, I'm good at this. So I got to enjoy it. But it's not something that you look forward to getting up to do in the morning and you look at your watch and you get stressed. And so I help people to understand that and say, if you do enjoy something, that's where you should be. And you should say no to the other things. And generally we fall into four categories. You know, we, there's the innovators that like, um, like developing things. There might be systems, products or brands, or there may be people who are really good. The other side, that's one. The second one is where we're good at marketing or selling, building teams and motivating people. They're the extroverts. And then we've got the people who like customer care, who that's the third category, who doctors, nurses, or people in call centers, or people looking after teams and making sure that everybody's well cared for. Then you've got the introverted side where people are basically like systems and data, which is where I was in banking. I'm the extrovert. And I was on the introverted side. And I do tell that to people and I've, I've helped a lot of uh, people understand where they should be. And it's been like a life changer. Um, and, you know, we should all be in a place that we, I think when you, when you're in a place that you really enjoy, you, you attract more of it when you're aware of it. So it has to be in your conscious mind. So you attract more of that because you're looking for it. And that's what I found now that I now look for this, you know, I, I love the cold calling. I I like the marketing. I like being around people, the networking. Whereas before, I was sat behind a desk like this and you know, typing away and and not being able to say anything because you don't because you have to keep quiet. And it's such a lovely place to be in. It's so it's just happy makes you feel happy, and that's what I'm teaching people now. So. Um, yeah, I've, I've taken a long time in, in my journey, but but that's, yeah, there's so much more, but yes, that's it really in a nutshell. No, and it is a fascinating journey. I'm sure people will kind of appreciate you telling the whole thing because in our kind of careers things, it doesn't go in a straight path. Things do turn and it just it kind of given lesson 101 on how to just embrace things when it does turn at every point. Yeah, I don't, stepping outside your kind of the comfort zone, you don't quite know what you do, but you're going to go for it anyway. Yeah, and it is exactly. a is a brilliant thing kind of for lesson to people to learn and not everyone will feel comfortable with it but for people to know that you know this is an option you don't have to know everything to say yes to something yeah and you can kind of kind of hear it in your voice and kind of how happy in your voice and I, I know you know on video now your whole kind of body kind of changes from talking about banking and that was obviously wasn't your happy place to now what you're doing now and it kind of you can kind of see yourself blossom Yes. So yeah. I know a lot of people just been kind of hearing this kind of audio, but it is it is really important. And what you're doing now is really important. There's a lot of people who are stuck in something that they don't enjoy. And it doesn't just impact your day at work. It impacts your home life. It impacts yeah. everything that you do in life. And I can really relate to it because it's kind of kind of the work that I do as well, which is kind of people unhappy in their corporate lives and want to set their own business. And you're doing quite something quite similar, which is like, actually, if you're not happy and do it, make a change. Yes. Whatever exactly. it is you're doing. Yes, I found a friend who was um, in banking and because his parents were in banking, so he naturally mm -hmm. stepped into banking. 
And he was in it for 40 years and very unhappy because he's he's very safe. And it doesn't always pay to be safe because when you do throw yourself into situations like you've just said out of your comfort zone, you get on with it. When you overthink, that's when you talk yourself out of it. But if you don't overthink, just don't think about it, do it, just get on with it. You do find solutions. And it's amazing how creative you can be because you have to, it's that survive thing, isn't it? Survival mm-hmm. thing where if I, if I don't do it, it's only, you only rely on yourself. And if you don't do it, then things will, will crumble, but you don't allow it to get to that point because you have to survive. And that's what I found in business. You know, you, you find a way around it and you want to keep that dignity as well, don't you, in front of people? Well, I can do it. I've put myself in this situation and I can do it. Um, you don't want to admit that you, <laughs> to be, you don't want to fail. You just don't want to fail. You, um, and that's what I found in having my own business, that you grow and you use those skills that you've developed where you have thrown yourself into to something. And you think, well, I did it back then. I managed to do that. So I can do it again. And, you know, with children in games, you just throw yourself into things, don't you? You don't think about them. You create your own games. I know it's not the same thing, but the, the thinking is there where you create your own things. Mm. And um, and then you, you just go with the flow. As I think we overthink sometimes. Um, and that's when we talk ourselves out of it. Yeah, I've come across a lot of people who kind of want everything perfect before they go and do something new. The website has to be in place. This has to be in that. It has to be in place. And actually they end up spending so much time doing that. It's all just kind of protection mechanisms of getting themselves out there. Yes. And at some point you do have to make, and it, it may be quite elite for people to actually just do it and take action. Yeah, you get there quicker as well. Mm. And I think you develop quicker. You know, um, a lot of people, like you say, do procrastinate and and having everything perfect is never going to get you anywhere because we're not perfect and situations that arise are not perfect. And that's where you have to sort of steer and, and find a way around it. They're not perfect. Nothing's perfect. And um, yeah, I, I agree with you that you have to throw yourselves in because that's part of the excitement as well. And you, when you look back, you think, oh, my goodness, I did that. I mean, when we, were, when we did our plants business, we, we used to go up and we used to maintain the plants. Uh, we, we did get some staff afterwards. But initially, we did it. We used to go up in a, um, I say, a old van. It was a white van. And we used to get at the back of the van <laughs> after we'd done the plants, dressed in our suits, come out the doors of the van, and then go for our meetings with our briefcases. And we would laugh at that afterwards because we think, I can't believe we did that. Because coming home, would have, we would have wasted an hour coming home, having to get dressed, then we'd have to go back up. And we do it all in the back of the van. One by one, my husband would get dressed in his immaculate suit. Then I would go in the back of the van. I'd get dressed in my suit. Then we'd come out and we'd go to the meeting, not having a clue about anything. And we'd turn up looking professional, even though we didn't know what we were doing. And... You have a laugh about these things, but they do give you the strength. And you think, oh, I did it then. I did that. Mm -hmm. So let me do, you know, be creative and try and find another way of doing it. And it's part of your development. And, you know, lots of people, not lots of people, some people will fail with their business. And you think they get themselves back up, don't they? And they sort of earn as much as they um, did before. They When they've lost their business, they can climb back up. And it's the skill sets that you've learned. It's not the money yeah. you think how did they do that well they've learned they've developed they've, they've grown 
And you only do that by throwing yourselves in. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't got the stats here, but I'm sure if you kind of look at it, that, you know, there's going to be a lot of very successful business owners that have a failure behind them. Yes. And it's yes. almost through that. So it is something, it's, it is that learning and those skills that you have to learn to become resourceful, to say, pick yourself up again. And just because something didn't work once doesn't mean by changing something, it won't work. It won't work again. Um, so, yeah, so that's absolutely, it's, it's a fantastic story. A, I was just going to add this and um, you don't bang your head against a brick wall. If you keep banging your head against a brick wall, you need to change direction. Yeah. If you bang your head against a brick wall again, you change direction. You keep changing direction until you find the solution. Yeah. And there will always be one out there. Yeah, definitely. So just kind of moving us on, and I'd love to ask people about what do they most enjoy about being a business owner? I enjoy being creative and making my own decisions and that I don't have somebody telling me how much I should be earning, what time I should be taking off, what time I need to get up in the morning. I enjoy that freedom. I work hard and I think most probably just have at the moment just two weeks off a year, but I have the odd day here and there. That's my choice. And I love the self-development. It's it's unlimited. Everything for me in business is unlimited. You earn as much as you like. You take as many days off as you like because you grow it and mould it to how you want it to be. And that's that freedom to be able to do all of that is what attracts me. I could never go back to anybody else ever. I can certainly relate to that point. And now we're not going to say that owning a business is always kind of easy. What do you find most challenging? The most challenging is... That you, when I, we go away, it's always in our heads. You never detach from it. And sometimes that can be challenging because you don't, you know, you'll get a text, you'll get an email and you're far away and you think, oh my goodness, I've got to spend time dealing with this when I just want to enjoy, you know, um, whatever I'm doing. It might be at the beach. It might be sort of viewing, uh, you know, um, you might not, we don't go in museums, but you know, it's just, taking you away from that space so it's that I, I enjoy everything else but that sometimes I find a little bit challenging and when you come back your workload is also increased because you haven't done it <laughs> while you were away so it doesn't go away there's nobody there to sort of like to hoover it up <laughs> yeah that one never does go away does it <laughs> I would say just that really uh, the rest of it I really enjoy that's, that's lovely and th thank you for being kind of honest with that and we heard a little bit about your business earlier um, I like to give people the opportunity to say kind of who's your ideal client and just a little bit more about what you do and how they can get in touch with you my ideal client these are people in the corporate world who are unhappy doing what they're doing and I've come across this time and time again where they just I had one who a, a lady who was a nurse for 30 years and I I do this through a profiling tool and I help people understand what the results are of that profiling tool. I'll go into some depth about it. And she should not ever have been a nurse. And it was a real eye-opener for her. She should be systems and data and she's very good at that. And it's just lovely to see the, the, the transformation in people's thinking. And that's what I do. I help people transform the way that they think understand what these skill sets are so that then they can go out there and attract them. And this is what she did. And I've had quite a lot of, uh, we've done that. They've been shocked 
by these results and, and, and what I've told them. And they think I've been doing this for such a long time. This is such a transformation and it's seeing them elated and happy and they know for the first time where they should be going. And this is what I do. So it's the corporate world and also people with businesses who don't know what their skill sets are. So they're re using the wrong skills in their businesses and that's slowing them down. So by learning what their skill sets are, they can concentrate on those and just getting other people to do what they can't do. And I know it's not always easy when you're self-employed and you're just working, you know, you're just one person, but being aware of it does make a big difference on how you plan your day. Because mm. you may just think, well, I'll just dedicate Mondays for the things I don't enjoy. And then I'll rest, the rest of the week, I'll be doing what I do enjoy. Or the first two hours of my day are going to be do, doing what I need to do, but I don't enjoy. And then I'll use my energies to elevate myself by doing what I do enjoy. And it's just basically planning those things. So it's corporates, people who don't enjoy what they're doing, people in 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 the in you know they're self-employed that are trying to find what their skill sets are. So those are my ideal ideal. And we will put all your kind of details in the show notes so if anyone wants to get in touch. Yeah. Um, and one final question for you. If you could go back in time and give yourself a piece of advice when you left banking when you first started your own businesses, what piece of advice would you give yourself? This is a difficult one for me to answer because I have always thrown myself into it. I always just I would say follow your heart. I wanted to go to uni to become an English teacher. Unfortunately, my circumstances didn't allow that to happen. And that threw me, of course. But looking back, I don't think I would have been an English teacher anyway. But just follow your heart. And I did fall into banking because of circumstances, but I would have gone into something that I would have enjoyed. So, and I, I've always done that. I've just thrown myself into things. So I find that a bit difficult because I have done mm. done that. Um, but anybody listening, I would say just follow your heart and um, don't get pressurised by anybody. Just do what you want to do because it's your life. And you don't want to be at the end of your life wishing that you've done what you wanted to do. That's absolutely brilliant advice. And I think that's kind of advice yeah. for anyone, whether you're looking, changing careers, any any sort of situation to kind of follow your heart and don't have any regrets. Yeah. So thank you ever so much for joining me today. I uh, really appreciate having talking your openness. And so this is Katerina Bernardini of The Power of No. So thank you ever so much. And we'll see you next week on Escape the Rat Race. Thank you. Wow, that was a brilliant session with Katerina. And I really don't know where to start to comment on it because I think there was so much in there to learn from. I suppose the main takeaway is um, Katerina's adaptability. Whenever she's been faced with a challenge in life, she's just kind of hit it straight on and adapted. And her comments on uh, you don't have to be perfect, you can just kind of get on and learn on the way are really important. So if you are thinking about kind of starting your own business, don't think you have to be, have everything in place to do it um, you obviously need some things in place but then there's an awful lot that you can kind of do as you go and possibly learn a little bit from your mistakes so that's it for escape the rat race this week and i look forward to talking to you next week <laughs>for today's episode of escape the rat race i hope you found it helpful and inspiring and it has given you some ideas for how you can start taking action towards escaping the rat race to a life of freedom purpose and fulfillment 
If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on your favourite platform. And if you have any questions, comments or feedback, feel free to reach out to me using the contact details in the notes to the podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Staker. Thank you again for listening and I'll see you next time on Escape the Rat Race.